0: Welcome to Real Estate Powerhouse, live on Tab Talks with your host, Talia Bashani, top real estate attorney and negotiation expert. This is your opportunity to get the inside scoop and hear straight from top real estate agents in the business. Broadcasting live from New York City, learn the secrets of their success and hear the most authentic, real, unfiltered stories about how they got to where they are today. From their wins to their failures to the biggest lessons of their careers and what keeps them rising to the top. And now, here is your host attorney, Talia Bashani.
1: Good afternoon. Welcome to the show, Real Estate Powerhouse, live on Tab Talks. Today, we have with us Jessica Peters from Douglas Elliman. Thank you so much, Jessica, for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be on the show. Okay, wonderful. Great to have you. So um we want to start a little bit about, you know, your history, your background. Um, if you could tell us a little bit about, you know, who you are and how you got
2: started in the real estate game. Sure. Um, so what's actually funny is that I I never intended to become a real estate broker. I actually was initially gonna become a chef and then a lawyer. And after taking the LSAT, uh or taking the LSAT prep, I should say, mm-hmm. I was like, mm. I don't know <laughs> about this. And funny enough, my uncle, Chris Peters, was working with Barbara Corcoran at the time and was always ranting and raving about, you know, how wonderful real estate was and how he thought I would be very good for it. Um, so when I graduated college, I went right to Douglas Elliman and I've been there for 17 years. Um, wow. Yeah. And then, oh when I when I. When I started, it was a very interesting time. It was 2008 is about when I went on my own. So it was very difficult to get any business because who wants to work with a brand new broker when the market's crashing? So you know, one of the things that um, was silver lining about that is I say that bad markets make good brokers because you have to learn everything if you want somebody to work with you. Um, So based on that logic, 17 years later, here I am a little over over 1.5 billion sold. Wow. um since i started so you are <laughs> really? a real <laughs>
1: yeah you well you know what's so
2: impressive is that i think you're one of the first
1: um, agents that I've had on the show that actually jumped right in after college. Like so many people fall into it, you know, they, you know, they have another job, they have another gig, they have another career passion and, and then they fall into real estate like later in life. But to hear that you really took the plunge and got into the industry straight out of college when you were like a youngin and a newbie, that's just amazing because that's
2: really perfected,
1: you know, your craft.
2: A hundred percent. But, you know, I will say from, from hearing the experiences of a lot of my other colleagues, having this other business experience, um, you know, starting right out of college, it's like real estate, is not like any other industry that you work in because there's, there's really no rule book. It's all experience. And, you know, it depends on what type of, you know, area will you want to be in, whether you're in commercial or residential. But I mean, I felt like I kind of just got thrown into the middle of the ocean without a life preserver because no one teaches you how to do your taxes, your an independent contractor you find out like all this really not fun stuff for the first time in your early 20s so um it, it was it was a blessing to learn that very early on but I, I also think i envy um the business relationships that a lot of people make in fashion and prior industries they are so relevant yeah. to real estate so sure you no, know, yeah. that makes you know that makes sense, and it does you know it's there's a little bit
1: of seasoning that goes into being in the workforce exactly. you know first that you can carry into real estate. So I definitely see both sides of the coin. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know we know that you're the new dev queen. But before we jump into your you know current status and and new development, how did you start your business out all those years ago? Were you focused on sellers and developers? Were you working with buyers? Like share a little bit about how you got started.
2: Sure. Um. So I was actually working as an assistant for a top producing agent in the city um and that didn't work out okay. so when that didn't work out um, my uncle who was the manager of the 26 west 17th street office that no longer exists okay. um now 111 said you should go brooklyn brooklyn's really hip it's up and coming You're going to do really well there. And, you know, reluctantly, I went. And surprisingly, he was correct. Um, But back then, Brooklyn was very different. It was a little bit more rough around the edges. There wasn't all that new development that you see in Williamsburg. It's it's i mean the price per square foot went from like 500 dollars a foot in the neighborhood that my office is in to like 2200 yeah. dollars a foot wow. within a span of 10 years so wow. um you know it, it really went quickly so when i started working in the borough i don't think there was as much interest because it wasn't really shiny right. like some things were in manhattan they weren't you know 1500 a foot but i thought to myself hey instead of trying to be this little fish in this big pond Why don't you go be a big fish in a little pond right now and make it a bigger pond? Yeah. So I worked really hard. I really believed in the borough. And, you know, I think getting in early before there was this immense interest for brokers to be doing deals in Brooklyn over Manhattan, um, it really paid off because, you know, for example, I had a developer call me the other day and he was like, I want your opinion because you're one of the only brokers who's literally been in the same neighborhood that I know about for the last 15, 16 years. He's like, I think getting in early before the rush um, had a lot to do with my success, but also gumption. Like I went and I (laughs) I took the number off of every a DOB sign that you could see for new development. I would call anybody who would talk to me. And lo and behold, I found a brand new developer. Wow. who I, you know, grew with who didn't really know what they were doing. So we made a lot of mistakes together. Okay. Um, and it ended up being a very fruitful, very long relationship that led to a lot of referrals. Yeah. Um, and wow. And them, so.
1: So it sounds like you really like your niche, even from way back when was working with new builds and developers so you weren't really running around town with buyers showing property you were s- solely focused on getting exclusive listings
2: i would have done whatever business fell into my lap at that point and okay. and weirdly which is like the exact opposite of how the market works right now is new development was the thing that just happened to fall into my lap that was one of the first clients that i ever had i also Maybe Will did because I just thought New Development was so cool. Yeah, but um, you know, it it was really just like walking around in high heels, calling signs, and and and. Yeah having meetings with anybody who would listen to me and, you know, having, you know, the education, like I did a ton of the, Brian Tracy, Tony Robbins, Brian Buffini, Mike Ferry, Tom Ferry, you name it, I did it. So any kind of coaching. And then I got into like more, you know, in-depth like coaching stuff that's more personal, like Vivaci, Max Victor and I've worked with Gary Park. So, you know, after all of that, it it also kind of teaches you how to hone in your craft once sure. you even have that platform so that you can continue to grow
1: yes i love that and you know what i love about what you said is that you really focus on you know your own personal growth and being the best person and you know A real estate agent and sales techniques that you could obtain for yourself in order to really perform at your highest level for your clients. Uh Um, And a lot of people just kind of, you know, are just like, oh, I'm just going to figure it out along the way and it's just going to be, you know, trial and error. But you were like, no, I'm really taking this seriously and I'm going to do everything that I can for personal development and you know really hone in on my craft. Yeah. So that being said, you know, give us a little bit about for all the viewers and all the listeners out there that maybe their passion really is to get into new development. Now, we know that it's a multifaceted type of um, position, right? So you're not just, you know, when you're taking over a whole building, it's everything from like design to marketing material to advertising to staging all these things that go into a new dev, which is so different than just working with, you know, buyers and taking them around to listings. Mm -hmm. So, you know, tell us a little bit about what You know all those different areas that that you have to really master
2: and what it takes um to uh, perform at that level sure so there's a lot more red tape with new development but it's also very very fun because you know when you get in on the ground and you have a really good relationship with a developer there's opportunities for a broker to have input on the floor plan have input on all the finishes and if it's something where you've had success in the past it's incredibly easy to Insert your opinions moving forward. But before you can get there, there's a lot that goes into it. Now, when you're going to be advising people with respect to new development, knowing standard building code, like, and I'm not saying you even need to know the names of the code, just like average things, like, You have to have five feet for ADA, which is for disability, or 30 feet from the back of a building to the end of the lot for light and air. So I don't know what those are called, but I know that you can't build something without those two things. So these are the types of um, identifiers that developers are looking for when they're working with an agent. So if you know basic code and you can navigate that, and then you can make Um, suggestions based on that, it's going to be a lot easier to create those relationships. But um, it took me probably, I don't know, five or six years to really wrap my head around building code, especially because it changes so much. Mm -hmm. I mean, look how often we have new fair housing regulations or how often Rebney is implementing new new rules. So it's the same thing with the departments of buildings. Um, So knowing your laws is really important. Knowing your tax classes are very important because you could have new developments that are three units eight units ten units a hundred units and those are all looked at differently um and then also basic zoning like r5 zoning three stories you know if you're doing like row houses or something that's r6b four stories knowing simple things like that how much you can build on a lot um what your far is so you have to have a lot more education in new development than resale because it's not just emotional where you have to be tactful because that's a really important part of our job but now you have this whole added level of regulation and yeah. now you still have to be tactful because right. as much as everyone likes to think that new development is just business oh, and glamorous <laughs> yeah. and there's a lot of big feelings there's a lot of big feelings even though there's a lot more business and there's not supposed to be emotions so it's, right. it's a lot to navigate but once you really you know have a good grasp on it. It's so much fun.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and it sounds super rewarding as well because you really invest, you know, so much of your own time and effort. And I feel like you're in the trenches, you know, with the developer and you're right there, you know, really kind of like pen to a pad, scripting everything out, getting all the details, the minute details. And then now it's just like, that's half the battle, right? And now you have to go out there and you have to sell it, you know, and, and you have to pitch it um and that's a whole nother you know side of of the game yeah um so you know i think that's pretty remarkable that you've really um grown into that thank
2: Um, you yes of course so easier it's easier when you get to have all of the input because if you're brazen enough and confident enough and you've been in the industry long enough to make those recommendations and then they come to fruition The way that you say that it does not only is it gratifying to know that hey all that hard work and education that i gave myself i was actually right but on top of it you're actually contributing something really beautiful to the neighborhood that you live and work in so true, yeah. yeah. Now, how do you
1: juggle multiple projects? So, you know, let's talk about your work-life balance for a little bit because, you know, we know you're this like superstar powerhouse, and you're and you're doing so many projects and and development. So, how do you balance all of that um, and still, you know, maintain like the success that you do?
2: I delegate. Okay. <laughs> well- Um, I, I used to take on all the responsibility myself, but once the team started getting really big and we had a huge workload and we were exceeding 150 million in sales, it's like, I can't personally do everything myself, but I can be involved in everything. So I found an amazing head of operations. I have a great marketing team. Um, and I also do a lot of stuff In house Um, and the reason I do that is not only for like affordability but also for efficiency so time um, you know making sure all of the details are exactly the way that you want them you don't have to necessarily do multiple revisions because the people that you work with understand you and outside of just like a really good operations team I have eight agents that work with me and there's a project manager that I put on every single listing and if the listing has more than 10 or 15 units then there's always three agents because Regardless of what anybody can tell you about what they handle, for me, it's really important that everybody gets time off because burnout is real yeah. and you can get sick of your properties. So when I tell my agents, hey, listen, you're going to show this week and the next team is going to show the following week, mm-hmm. you get an entire week off from your project. You can focus on other business. Yeah. You can do whatever you want to do. And then you come back to your project and you're completely refreshed and you can like come off the high of the last week of whatever deal was done. And and you want to do more because your other team member just did something incredible. So it's incentivizing your agents to consistently stay happy and making sure they have enough time for their mental health. And it's really well oil machined. Yeah, no, that's
1: fantastic, and I'm sure it takes time to actually find the right people. You know, everybody says you're only as good as your staff, right? Because you can only do so much as, you know, one person, and then it's really that employee retention and, and, you know, and the quality of your team and everything that you can rely on, because as soon as one, you know, let's say wheel falls off the car, now you're relying on the other three wheels, and it's like you have to then rebalance everything and 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 get everything back um in line so you know going through that process
2: i'm sure also has its challenges finding the right people well it's true but I most of the people who have been with me, I mean, like I have a team member who's been with me for 14 years. Oh my god! So you know, it, it took a while in the beginning, but the one thing I, I I learned is that you have to hire people that are just as qualified or you, if not more qualified than you, and you can't be afraid to give them the secret sauce, like yeah. whatever kind of thing that I do in in my business that's successful. I'm not afraid to share these secrets with my team members because they're going to put their own spin on it and they're going to do it their way because nobody else is Jessica Peters. So not having like this, like, oh, is someone else going to steal my business, you know, and if they did like shame on them, you're off my team, but no one has ever tried to do that to me. So yeah. me offering this trust to them and also paying them very well, because sure. that's one thing that I think a lot of people in this industry don't do. And it's one of the reasons why there is an agent retention, like you would pay what you get for, you get yeah. what you pay for. Yeah, you get what you pay for. Absolutely. It's like, oh, you're just
1: going to give me 5% or whatever. It's like, yeah, you know, you're, that person's not going to work as hard for you.
2: Yeah. So, if you want top producers, you got to pay top producer money. Yes.
1: <laughs> hey,
2: money talks,
1: especially in this it business. Sure yeah. It sure does.
2: Yeah, sure does. <laughs>
1: now let's talk about a little bit of your sales strategy so you know let's say you have a phenomenal building you know an amazing development that really kind of can sell itself but now you know you've sold maybe 60% or 70% and you now have another 30% to go okay so obviously the remaining units sometimes depending on market demand are you know could possibly be the largest most expensive you know units because the one bedrooms and the two bedrooms are pretty much flying pretty quickly because that's the norm of our of our market so what's your strategy to really spin you know and get a true sellout um, for your developer
2: sure so if you're talking about larger units that are lingering on the market I think you know one of the biggest issues is that in new development you see model unit photos that are used for multiple units in the building right so if you're having an issue moving units then a refresh is the most important thing that you need to do across the board in a new development in order to get that momentum going again. So one of the things that I always do is even before we lose momentum, like if I feel the momentum is starting to slow yeah, and we don't have the same traffic, the same interest, the same amount of offers, we pivot before it stops. Uh. So whether that's moving the model unit, maybe doing a building video or doing something that specifically highlights the features, differentiating this unit versus the model unit or any of the collateral that we might have been using like to initially hype the building. So giving it its own individual spotlight. Um, And it usually works. Um, Anytime I've ever had an issue where someone brought me in because they needed to sell units or they had units that, you know, didn't work well. I got to say, the way that you stage something makes a huge difference because, (laughs) for example, you can go into the most beautiful apartment, but if you use really small furniture in an apartment that's big and the scale is off, it's going to look absolutely ridiculous. Or if you try to make a small apartment look big by using small furniture, like (laughs) let's call a spade a spade. So. Also, you know, you don't want to try to pull the wool over people's eyes like mm-hmm. you want to work with what you have. So I'll use bigger pieces in a smaller space, but in a selective way where it actually highlights the space. And you're like, oh, wow, I can't believe that couch is so big or I can't believe you could fit an eight person table in this space. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of making people say, oh, I didn't realize that could fit that. Oh. Yeah. I didn't think you could do that. So yeah. you just try to get creative and say, what haven't we shown people yeah. that they need to know? Awesome. I love that. That creativity really comes into play
1: exactly. and the proactivity because it sounds like you're like, look, I'm not going to wait for the shit to hit the fan. I am going to get ahead of the ball and be proactive by you know avoiding it and keeping the momentum up. So that's really smart. And you
2: have to have that foresight in order to do it. i'll give you an example i launched a new building and anytime you launch a new building you know that things are going to be fire so we got a lot of really great offers and the developer wanted to be more aggressive than the sales team felt comfortable with and luckily enough the developers listened to us and we are about to be 30 percent sold in 30 days but i will say that in that initial um rush especially coming into this fall Right. Certainly cooled. And that's not to say that it's not going to pick up again. Right. But with the experience of our sales team, we knew that this rush was okay. It's a one-time thing. Yeah. Got to take advantage of it or you're going to totally muck it up. Yeah. I'm glad they listened. And now we're in a really good position and everything's at the asking price. It's not even like an excessive amount of concessions. It's just, uh, you know. normal standard things that buyers expect that, you know, developers don't tend to want to give. So, yeah,
1: well, look, you know, every developer thinks that they have the cream of the crop, you know, Mm -hmm. and they have that attachment to their project. It's their blood, sweat and tears, you know, and it's their baby. And, you know, how dare they drop the price or, you know, uh, or give concessions. But let's talk about that turning point, because, you know, there are those buildings out there where at some point, you know, and, Every offering plan essentially has that, you know, sponsor reserves the right to rent any unsold units, you know, in lieu of sales should it come to that depending on how the market performs. But, you know, you see the buildings kind of out there in Dumbo and other larger buildings that, you know, are giving two years free maintenance, you know, paying mansion tax, transfer tax. They're keeping their price, you know, where they want it to be, but then they're giving like a hundred K of concessions on the back end. At what point would you advise your developer, like, hey, you know, we need to start um, offering, you know, being a little bit more generous with offering concessions, as opposed to doing price reductions, you know? And I know that's a very sensitive topic, but
2: how do you maneuver, um, and at what point do you do so? So, if I'm involved from the beginning, and I'm the one who's putting my money where my mouth is and I yeah. said put these finishes put these layouts okay what I'll generally do is I'll give you a really aggressive OP price and it's okay. going to be like a price that's you know aggressive for the market but with that I say you're paying transfer taxes you're paying attorney fees and you have to be open to x amount of credits on the back end now these credits generally don't exceed more than 3 to 4% of the purchase price but it's coming off the back end, not the front end. So Even though you're paying a little bit more per foot, you're paying for something that's a really good product. So you can't dispute that it's a good product, but the buyer needs to feel good about themselves. So if you factor in this negotiation before you come to market by making sure that you have like a slightly higher premium, then at the end of the day, it doesn't affect your bottom line. Mm -hmm. Right and then the recorded sales price still shows the recorded sales
1: price So the comps are great the building looks great and nobody really knows what's going on behind the scenes
2: And honestly, even if I didn't have anything to do with it. I always tell people guys Factor in concessions if you do not factor in concessions then I just don't think it's smart like even if you're in a great market, okay fine Then you don't have to pay them, but look how quickly we went from three percent to eight percent so the, it's like in 10 months, 11 yeah. months. So yeah. nobody thought that was gonna happen. Everybody actually fought against that. So if you didn't factor in being able to pay concessions, now, I don't know right. what product you have there. I haven't done one deal, even in the most premium buildings where it was full ass no concessions, like the buyers, even if it was like a silly $10,000 credit, want something because of the market today. So always factor in concessions. And if you don't have to end up paying all of them on the back end, then wow, you just added more to your bottom line. But if you think about it differently in the beginning and you just get that roadblock out and be like, okay, I'll make it up in price. It just goes so much smoother.
1: Yeah, it's the mindset and it's, you know, having that in advance and, you know, that way it's like, we're not, you know, over promising and under delivering. These Mm -hmm. are, we're managing expectations and you know, when it comes to that point, then you handle it accordingly. And there's no surprises
2: because their mind, you know, the mindset has already been established. Exactly. Already. And that's like where the whole ego thing comes in. It's like yeah. everybody wants to pay the least amount to buy and every seller wants the most amount to sell. Right. So if you just kind of take the ego out of that concession aspect in the new development, well, I mean, the bottom line is the bottom line. It doesn't matter where you make up the number, right?
1: There you go. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> that's That's a numbers talk. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, thank you so much, Jess. We are gonna take a brief commercial break and then we're gonna come to with part two of the show. Stay tuned, everyone. Whether you are a new buyer or a seasoned investor in the real estate market, you need top legal representation and expertise to ensure your transactions close smoothly and successfully. As someone whose priorities are communication, attention to detail, efficiency, and creative negotiation, Tab Law Firm provides hands-on, personalized service that focuses on clients' needs and peace of mind. After working with big corporate law firms, I realized their focus was on volume rather than nurturing and protecting their clients. I then decided to start my own firm 15 years ago to provide exceptional, personalized service that protects and informs my clients every step of the way. Most of my clients are looking for guidance, transparency, and clear communication throughout their real estate transaction. Making myself available to my clients is one of my top priorities, and my expertise allows me to foresee issues before they happen and avoid potential downfalls. This proactive approach safeguards my clients from incurring any additional expenses, delays, or stress. During the selling or buying process, efficiency is key. I keep all parties informed and organized, ensuring we close smoothly. I fancy myself as a deal maker, not a deal breaker. If you are looking to buy or sell real estate, or if you are a real estate broker looking for an attorney who's going to be communicative, efficient, and responsive to you and your clients, then contact me at tolly360.com. And let's start working together. Close with tab and feel fab. all right welcome back jess to part two of real estate powerhouse we are in the house with the new dev queen jessica peters at douglas Eleven. so jess i want to start off this segment by asking you what do you think the your biggest break or the biggest game changer in your career
2: you're gonna laugh at me when i tell you um what the biggest game changer of my career was um so I was actually fired uh, from my admin position, um, working for uh, a top producing agent, and it wasn't of anything because I did, um, did, it was just, I don't know, the name of the game for this particular part of the industry. Um, so, you know, being released from that job, not knowing why I was released from that job, um, really kind of like took a toll on me mentally. So, you know, I I questioned myself, I couldn't figure it out, and it really kind of took me down a peg. So because that happened, it actually gave me a lot more humility. And it made me realize like, hey girl, slow your roll. You need to be more educated, you need to learn more. You can't just go out there and give your opinion and do this, you're not educated and you're not in the industry long enough to have such strong opinions the way that you do. So that humbling experience is what led me to the whole, hey, bad markets make good broker type things. So, um, you know, feeling like you were completely worthless and 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 having to come back from that and be like, absolutely not. I'm going to show you because I think the exact words that were used in that meeting were you just don't have what it takes to make it in this business. Oh my and I was goodness. like, I'm going to show you who yeah. doesn't have what to take it in this business. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I, think I, I you know, I, I showed him a thing or two. Yeah, I um, think you know, came I, back I, super strong. Yeah. someone telling you who can't do something is like it, it in very insane motivation. If, if you're somebody like I am.
1: Yeah. Right. You were like, I'll show you. <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> <To all these laughs> yeah. It's like you're, it sounds like, you know, you're every day, not every day, but every supermodel story, right? Because yeah. they walk into all of these agencies and they're like, Oh no, you're too this, you're too short, you're too skinny, you're too fat, whatever, whatever, you know, you're not, not going to make it in this business. And next thing you know, they're
2: like Naomi Campbell. Exactly. Naomi exactly. So, so all it takes is someone telling you you don't have what it takes. Takes, right.
1: <laughs> and then you're on fire. And then it's exactly. like it's launched.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: I love it. Okay. Well, hey, that's a great win right there. Yeah. Um, so tell us what the biggest record um you, you broke, you know, in your own career. So whether it's like, oh my gosh, I sold out this new dev property, you know, in this amount of time, or this is the biggest, you know, my biggest record was, you know, you know, selling this condo at, you know, whatever, you know. $10 million sellout. What was your biggest record that you broke for yourself?
2: So my biggest record that I'm going to break is this is this Greenpoint building I have. Um, I, I have my first six contracts in, in 30 days. And when I sell it out, which I'm on my way to it'll be yeah. at the, probably some of the highest price per square foot ever sold in Brooklyn consistently across the board in a small boutique building. Wow. Um, but one of the things I'm I think I'm one of the most proud of, and it's not necessarily the most money is that I was interviewed for a project um, at Element and it was a 70 unit building in Park Slope. Mm-hmm. And when I was offered the interview, they came to me from Douglas Solomon. They were like, Jess, just want to let you know, it was like a 1% chance that you're going to get this. Oh so like. Goodness. I just want to manage your expectations. We think you're wonderful. So we want you to talk to this client, but like it is like slim to none that you're going to get hired. And I got hired. And oh I wasn't hired, but I sold seventy two percent of the building. Oh my god! So, and this was during the pandemic. Wow! And like they were about to go rental, and you know, even when we amicably parted ways, it's seventy two percent because I wasn't the first sales team. And, okay, and want a little bit of uh, behind the scenes info. Okay. Banks have a say in who gets to stay on a project if like one company has been there, you know, for an extended period of time. Okay. So it, oh. it had just been like our expiration date, right? Although everyone was ending amicably. Okay. Um, but I was so incredibly proud of our team, a 1% chance. Oh,
1: wow. So, so what, do you, it. what do you attest to that? So what do you think did it when you walked in there? Like, how do you prepare for these listing appointments or, or meetings or presentations? How do you prepare and what do you think really, you know, sold them, like closed the deal for you?
2: Honestly, it's a really simple answer. You just have to show up and do the work. Like when I say, you know, show up and do the work and it's like the most basic things. Like I walked in there and like, I politely, you know ripped apart the models, like for the whole thing of that size like I thought things should have, you know been done a little bit differently. You know, I understand that other people have their own opinions about the way things are done, but in new development, mm-hmm. there's just certain things that you would assume that you would see, right? Mm-hmm. Or just like in a model unit, if you have like a two bedroom or something like that, like you wanna have certain things, like somewhere where someone can hang their coat, somewhere where you think there's gonna be like their their, their shoes or their mudroom. So yeah. you create these little areas to inspire people. And mm-hmm. so often I go into spaces and there's no creativity. There's nothing in there that says I want to live here. And oh. even if it's something as small as wallpapering a yeah. powder room, yeah, it's like night and day, wow, liar! Like wow. it's all these silly little things that you could be doing that get things sold so much quicker. Plus, I had three. My, there were thirty-eight unique layouts in the building, so. Um, I'm sorry, 51 unique layouts, 38 with outdoor space. Okay. So there are 51 unique build, uh, uh, unique layouts out of 70. Stage three, three units. If there, yeah. there are many unique units, you need to have people understand like, The
1: variety. Exactly.
2: Right. It's just little things like this and just fine tuning it, making sure that you have really good traffic reports. Because if things aren't selling well, the one thing that's going to save your butt is your traffic report. If you have all the data, all the web stats, every conversation you've had with every buyer, every broker, every feedback note, every offer, and someone tries to blame something on you, you could literally go back to, hey, in the Excel that I sent you, please go to line 47, column G. And that's exactly what I told you we needed to do five months ago and you said no. Wow. So when you can do silly stuff like that, it helps you not only get more business from the client and also come in and fix whatever project you're trying to fix or launch, but it also keeps accountability because if someone tries to point the finger at you and you have all of the data that's ever existed in the building, it's much easier to negotiate for yourself.
1: Yeah, and to cover your own tracks. Yeah. You know. So I love, you know, document everything, be super organized, and you know, and you basically CYA, you know? Yeah, um, exactly. And you know, that was a really good point that you mentioned before, as far as it's the little things that count and actually go a long way, because you're appealing to all five senses of these buyers. You know, the sight, the, the smell, the touch, you know, Maybe not the taste, but hey, if you have some goodies in there, you're appealing to that too, you know, but you're right. It's like all those little finite details go such a long way because it really gives that buyer the ability to envision, you know, walking into this unit as their future home.
2: Do you know you know? know how often I walk into a model unit and there's dust bunnies in the corner, oh. no hand soap in the bathroom and oh. no toilet paper? Yeah. Do you think that that's going to make my experience coming for 20 minutes if I have to use the restroom? You think it's going to make me feel good? Not only is there no toilet paper, but there's no place for me to wash my hands. I'm already feeling super uncomfortable. Right. So you're starting off something that you would never even would think would interfere with your showing. And now somebody is frazzled because they needed to use your restroom. Yeah. Over something
1: just like humanly nature, like, you know, circumstance. And now they're just turned off.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Or embarrassed and they don't want to come back because right. they pooped in your bathroom and you didn't right. have toilet paper. <laughs> right. Right. Oh Lord. <laughs> Although I people do that sometimes. I wish they wouldn't at my open houses, but it happens. It's I'm you know, sure you've seen the some crazy, crazy thing. Well, this is the thing. Like I go into new developments and this is a little TMI, but like there are dirty toilets. Like How are you going to let me have an open house with a dirty toilet? Like, that's disgusting. Well, I've seen like
1: construction workers use the toilets in the units and they like leave the seat up or like leave, you know, debris, you know, and it's just so
2: gross. Yeah. You want to buy a $3 million apartment and there's already poop in your throne? Yeah, right. (laughs) Exactly. Turn off next. I'm going to go to the place that actually sends the cleaners. Thank you. Bye. (laughs) Exactly.
1: And you know, that's like, it's like, again, that should be like note to self, like note to the listing agent. Make sure you prep your unit before the showing or have somebody check it out before the showing, you know, but Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, So let me ask you about what you love most about um, being a real estate agent and and being in the real estate industry. Like really like
2: what (laughs) gets you pumped in the morning? So it's a weird answer. Okay. Uh, number one that's more related to the business is, yeah. I love seeing something that I suggested and created and having people love like if I really have a lot of creative direction with the floor plan that I work with the architect and the designer and then someone comes into the project and by the way I stage all my own listings too okay they'll come in and they'll just like rant and rave about how beautiful the staging is and how amazing the building is and how they finally built something that's in line with the demographic and it literally just like melts my heart because like I'm not an architect I'm not a designer I am a real estate broker who somehow became these things right and like that's not easy to to do to have somebody to trust you to give you that much authority okay. on something that's that much money so that trust between the client and then the delivery of like the product and the response that is my favorite part okay along with this industry tests my patience um, so it's really good for me to learn how to react and not I mean, sorry, respond and not react. Mm-hmm. So as stressful and high pace this industry can be, I find the silver lining in no learning how to navigate really difficult emotional situations okay. that have nothing to do with anything that I did. It's just like you know what I'm talking about, where yeah. like we just have to sit there and like let it happen because yeah. you're you're the you're the punching bag, you're right. the one in this transaction that's going to get the brunt of whatever bad happened and you yes. just got to eat it. So right. yes. learning how to deal with those situations gracefully has been a blessing. Yeah. Bless.
1: Yes, no, very well said. And you need to have thick skin in this business, you <laughs> yeah. know, because listen, people are going to like chew you out if your fault, not your fault. They're mad at the situation. They're mad at the circumstances and the closest person to them, you know, in their camp is really the ones that get the beating. So, Yes, you know, definitely been there done that. Um, But, um, you know, moving on. So I want to talk a little bit about what you see for yourself in the future. You know, have you ever thought about developing your own projects? Like, what are your career goals, let's say in five years from now? Like what, what are your, you know, do you have any, you know, other passions that you really want to delve into? You said you're such a great stager in the design and things like that. What do you see for yourself in the future?
2: Oh, i got a bunch of side hustles okay. i'm a stager a video production company yes. um designer an architect no i'm just kidding but no seriously I, I i love to do it all and you know in the last two years when i became independent um just like i used to have partners like my whole career up until recently okay. um it's actually very enlightening like to have to really depend on yourself and like not have anyone ping-pong ideas off of okay. and it really It really kind of forces you to look within and be like what do you want like it's your team now you can do whatever you want so what do you want and you're right i do want to develop i want to do small-scale boutique development and i'm actually in talks with figuring out how i can get my own shovel in the ground um i have a lot of clients who invite me in to invest on projects um which i'm carefully considering now um, for the next round Mm -hmm. so it's definitely an avenue i want to explore um a lot of my clients tell me that i'm too good at it not to do it so sure. i think it would be remiss if yes I, to miss I, <laughs> I totally agree with that yeah. yeah and plus like the staging is great i can like switch out the furniture in my house as much as <laughs> i want to I don't like this piece of art, no problem. <laughs> I'll get a new one. I' my headshot. I'll just do some photos. So, yeah. like I'm just making my life really easy with all my my side hustles. But you know, outside of work, um, I work with a lot of dog rescues. Um, I have four. I and you
1: just got them. your your most recent rescue i did i just Aww. rescued
2: little cheddar last no week. Cheddar! Well, yes. <laughs> so i saw the photo so now i have four again um but outside of that i love cooking and honestly i just want to have a farm where i can have a big greenhouse and grow tropical fruit all year round. so
1: oh that sounds like the dream that's <laughs> not, that's like the antithesis <laughs> the of new york city life Yeah. yeah right? Yeah. Girl, country, girl. Yeah. Well, hey, you can go up in Hudson Valley and, you know, do that on your
2: off time. Exactly. Overalls in the country. I love it. Blazer city. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs>
1: so let's pivot to technology a little bit because you've really been, like you said, in this business for 2008. You've seen how much, you know, technology advancement um, has really done, you know, for sure. this industry. Talk about how you utilize, whether it's your digital marketing or AI or whatever it may be, how has, you know, technology really affected you know, your work and and your sales and things like that. Sure. So I
2: think that, you know, the two ways that I'm doing this for 17 years. So from when I started till now, I think the advances in technology have improved specifically for me, two areas that allow me to do more business, right? It's direct communication to the client, accessibility through email, through text, through Zoom, through yeah. chats, through whatever you want. Like it's so easy to talk to people these yeah. days. Right. Not that easy back in the day. I remember if I, put, <laughs> if I forgot to write down where I was going, I couldn't put a calendar invite in. I think I had like one of those like kooky little Nokia phones or whatever it was. It's like you didn't have any of those things. So it's like, if you didn't write it down, any little small thing that you could just like jot down on your phone. Now you're screwed. You don't know the apartment number. You don't know anything that you're doing. So I think that we take for granted how easy it is to jot down notes and it is to communicate with our clients today. Um, But outside of that visibility, Mm -hmm. when you, I first started, you had listing photos. Like I don't even think that listing videos were a big thing. And Mm -hmm. while you could really showcase a property with I, you can't actually, you, you do, right? Everybody does, but if you yeah. have something special, like if you have 20 foot ceilings, if you have like incredible marble or millwork or something detailed that you really need to like show off so people could feel like they're there, yeah, video. Other things in in technology, like different ways, like you could do video tours with people. You could never do that before, exactly. Or even just like the way that you can shoot things in like four K, five K, make them look beautiful. Yeah. Or you have influencers go into units. You have uh, movie uh, movie shoots in them now, right? And like yeah. the accessibility to do that is so easy. So. Right. I think, and plus, all, look at all the different websites that you have now. Look how easy it is to send things globally. Social media, TikTok, like, yeah. who ever thought that I, I would be on Instagram for my properties? When I was in right. college and this first came out, I was like, this is really cool. I'm going to put my party pictures up here. Yeah. And now, like, I put a $5 million listing and find buyers on Instagram. Like, yeah, and globally. Yeah. International exactly. reach. Right. So... Visibility and connectivity. I mean, it makes the job more streamlined. There's so much less red tape. Right.
1: And it just I feel like it really is makes your job so so it could relieve you to really focus on what, you know, the task at hand and getting the sales done where
2: everything else is working while you sleep you know right. and you can automate most things like yeah. you can automate your seller reports you can automate pretty much anything that you're working with that's data driven and it's all in a shared cloud so right you're not emailing it to anybody you're saving it in a link that somebody else can access and edit in real time so yeah. you're saving time because not only do you not have to email things to everybody but it It's, it's saving as you go. So you just take so much time out of these little tasks that you used to do before, where you can either take time for yourself or figure out how you want to apply yourself to new business.
1: Right. Exactly. And I love that you can have like QR codes as a sign in sheet, you know, so as buyers are coming through the property, they're scanning the code, they're putting in their name and
2: number, you know, and then boom, you have them locked in, you know, just I don't even use QR paper code. anymore. Yeah. I laminate QR codes. Yes. I'm clean them up. I'm like, right. here is yeah the disclosures for who I am and and here's the brochure. Right, (laughs) exactly. (laughs)
1: Download, you know, boom. Yeah, exactly. There you go. It's efficiency. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Jess, for um, being with us today on the show. Mm -hmm. You have really contributed such invaluable knowledge and we're so happy to um, have you as a guest today. So for our viewers and listeners that want to um,
2: connect with you and reach out to you, what's the best way to reach you? Sure. So if you want to reach out to me, on instagram it's the jessica peters team um and if you would like to email me it is j peters j p-e-t-e-r-s at element.com
1: fantastic well thank you so much jess and i will be seeing you soon
2: amazing talia this was so much fun thank you for having me all right you got it thank you bye Bye -bye.
0: you've been tuning into real estate powerhouse live on tap talks with your host attorney talia bashani for more information, please visit Tali360.com. You can watch this show streaming live on StreamYard and available across all social media outlets, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Instagram, Facebook Live, and more. Stay tuned for next week's episode. Thank you for your positive feedback, comments, and questions. And please share this show with your network.